0: Suffering for the sake of suffering. Suffering for a righteous cause. Suffering for a person you love. The Catholic Church believes in the last two of those things. She does not believe the first, although she's often accused of it. How often have you heard people say, Catholics love suffering, right? Catholics enjoy suffering. Catholics are really into suffering. Now, I can't speak for every individual Catholic, so maybe there are a few people in the church with masochistic tendencies who get their jollies out of experiencing pain for the sake of experiencing pain. But I definitely am not one of them and probably neither are you. Which is just fine, because nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Catechism does it say that we have to love and embrace suffering for its own sake. Despite what the comedians and the critics of the Church tell us, this is not Catholic doctrine. But what the Church and the Scriptures do teach especially through the cross of Jesus Christ, is that suffering does have value when it's embraced for the sake of a righteous cause or for the sake of someone you love. And you know what, my brothers and sisters? On some level, even atheists believe that, as I hope to make clear in a couple of minutes. This truth is expressed beautifully regarding Jesus in the first letter of Peter, chapter 3, where it says, The reason why Christ died for sins once for all, the just man for the sake of the unjust, was that he might lead you to God. So Jesus didn't just die because he had nothing better to do. He certainly didn't suffer because he enjoyed it. If you saw Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ, you know very well Jesus did not enjoy the passion. He died. Why? He suffered. Why? He suffered for a righteous cause. He willingly embraced his cross for a noble cause, the most righteous cause of all, the salvation of the human race. And he embraced the cross out of love for other people. You, me, everybody. If we want to find meaning in our suffering, and hopefully we all do because we're going to suffer one way or the other, if we want to find meaning in it all, we need to follow the example of Jesus. This is what St. Peter is getting at in today's second reading. Notice that toward the end of the passage he says, let no one among you be made to suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or an intriguer. He says that because if you suffer for doing evil, you're not suffering for a righteous cause. You're not suffering out of genuine love for other people. You're not suffering, in other words, like Jesus did. On the other hand, Peter says there, if you suffer for being true to your Christian faith, for loving your neighbor, and witnessing to the truth, ah, different. Then you are suffering like Jesus. That's what Jesus did. He witnessed to the truth. He suffered for love of us. So you shouldn't be ashamed. Rather, Peter says, you should rejoice because what you're doing is bringing you and other people one step closer to heaven. Peter says, and here I quote, Rejoice to the extent that you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that when his glory is revealed, you too may rejoice exultantly. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit and glory of God rest upon you. Now, obviously, Christians see a deeper spiritual dimension in their sufferings, in their trials, in their daily crosses. But as I said a few moments ago, this idea that suffering has value if it's embraced for a righteous cause or for the sake of the people you love, this is something that almost everyone believes, including those who are atheists, including those who make fun of the Catholic Church's teaching on suffering. And that's pretty easy to demonstrate. For example, even atheists, even non-believers, go to work every day, do they not? They get up a lot earlier than they would like to get up. They battle traffic. They deal with, shall we say, difficult people on the job. They go to meetings they'd rather not go to. They put up with ornery bosses, unless they work for me, of course. Then it's a joy to go to work every day. But for the rest of you, in other words, they endure all kinds of little sufferings and sometimes big sufferings. They endure these things from the time they get up and walk out the door in the morning and battle the traffic till the time they come through the door at night. And then when they're back with their families and with their children, they're forced to deal with a whole new set of sufferings. But that's another story. So why do these people do this, these atheists and believers alike? What's wrong with them? Are they masochists? Are they all into suffering for the sake of suffering? Of course not. They endure these things They suffer in these ordinary but very real ways to provide for their families. They do it for a righteous cause and for the people they love. Or how about our troops serving us in Iraq and Afghanistan and other places throughout the world? Some of them, believers and non-believers alike, come home seriously wounded, with disabilities that they will have to deal with for the rest of their lives. And since a lot of them are in their 20s, the rest of their lives is likely to be a really long time. But it's amazing, isn't it, how many of these brave soldiers say, they are glad they were able to serve their nation in this way. They're glad that they were able, privileged, to make this kind of sacrifice. Are they masochists? Not at all. They're convinced that they made the sacrifice for a righteous cause. That's why they're at peace with it. To stop terrorism. To promote freedom. And in this post 9 11 world, I'm sure a lot of them also see themselves as having suffered, and as suffering, for the people they love. In their minds, because they were willing to give up an arm, or a leg, or an eye, or something else, their loved ones will be able to live with greater security in the future, here in the United States. See, believers and non-believers alike know that suffering can have meaning and value. It's not just Catholics. However, those who are Catholic, those who take their faith seriously, those who are Christian, do have the ability to take this to a much deeper level. This last point was made beautifully during our parish mission this year by Father Jordan Torano when he told us the very powerful story of Elizabeth Lacour she was born in paris back in 1866 in 1889 she married a very prominent medical doctor named felix lacour felix had been raised a catholic but in medical school he lost his faith and eventually he declared himself to be an atheist The problem was, he was not one of those quiet atheists. He was a loud one, a very loud one, like Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins today, who've written books against God and against believers. Well, Felix LeSueur was like that. In fact, for a time, he edited in Paris an atheistic newspaper where he attacked belief and attacked the church and everything else associated with religion. Interestingly enough, as time went on and Felix became more and more anti-God in his thinking and in his attitudes, his wife Elizabeth became increasingly devout. Felix wasn't too pleased with that. He did his best over the years to undermine her faith, to enlighten her with his atheism, but thankfully he never succeeded. In 1904, Elizabeth Lecer became seriously ill. She suffered for ten years and eventually died of cancer. A few years before her death, she made a very bold prediction to her husband. She told him that someday he would have a conversion of heart and return to the practice of his Catholic faith. She said it with unbelievable confidence. And then she went one step further. She said, Felix, I know you, and I'm absolutely certain that when you finally return to God, you won't stop on the way because you never do things by half you go so far someday as to become a priest. Someday you will be known as Father LeSueur. He probably thought she was hallucinating. He responded, Elizabeth, you know how I feel. I've sworn hatred of God. I'm living in that hatred. I'm going to die in that hatred. Well, Elizabeth died in 1914. Shortly after her death, Felix was reading through her personal journal. And there he found a note that was written to him by his wife. She knew that someday he would find it. The note read as follows. Felix, in 1904, I asked Almighty God to send me sufficient sufferings to purchase your soul on the day that i die you will have been bought and paid for greater love than this no woman has for her husband by the following year dr felix lacour was indeed a practicing catholic again and several years later In 1923, at the age of 62, he was ordained a priest for the Order of Preachers, the Dominicans. He was married to Elizabeth for 25 years, and believe it or not, he served God as a priest for 27 years, dying in 1950. This is why the nuns always told you to offer it up, right? They knew what they were talking about. Elizabeth Lucer did not embrace suffering for its own sake. She wouldn't have done that. That's masochistic. She embraced it. She offered it up for a very noble cause, a reconversion to Christ, and for the person she loved most on this earth, her atheist husband. She did all of those things because she was truly Catholic in her attitude towards suffering. May the Lord help all of us to be Catholic in the very same way. (laughs)